Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Berkeley Alumni's Pass the Mic, where we pass the mic to you. I'm Jaquel Illy. And I am, as they say, Hollywood Patrick Pharma. Ooh, Hollywood. Why are you Hollywood? This is what my wife calls me. And she's like, oh, you're a hotshot. And then she has my friends call me that, too. Um, and just gen- in general, whenever my wife gets with my friends, it turns into a roast of of me. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's my nickname when I'm like <laughs> going out and filming or coming out to L.A. where we are now. I'm a Hollywood Ooh. hotshot, Patrick Pharma. Yes. And when you wear glasses, you actually look like you may be from like from Hollywood, like in a movie. It's not too late for me to start my acting career. <laughs> Tomorrow is the L.A. Brunch, an annual event that uh, I think it's almost about 30 years that we've been doing the L.A. Brunch. Yes. Not you and I, of course. (laughs) No, not quite. But the alumni office has been doing it and we're super excited. We have some great performances, a really nice keynote speaking conversation. So we are looking forward to seeing everyone there. And to come back with some deets. Yeah, and we will be filming it and we'll be playing it on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Berkeley Alumni. Yes, make sure you subscribe. Last night was an eventful night. So first of all, it is February. Happy Black History Month, y'all. So to kick off Black History Month, there was a dinner last night hosted by Dr. Emmett Price, and he is the Dean of Africana Studies. And he was able to host a dinner for the Black alums at the Village Studios. And we all came together. And so he just kind of gave everyone like a like an overview of his plans, how Berkeley is now, and to kind of hear them, what they need, how we can help them. So it was a really cool event to be at. And I enjoy I enjoy talking to everyone and allowing them to know that we are there for them. So if you ever need anything, if you have any questions, or if we can help out in any way, please feel free to always email us. Today, we're going to hear Jaquel's interview with three alumni who were alumni panelists for the Black Scholars Initiative this fall. Okay, so the three alums that we was able to interview in this table talk discussion was Thurlane, Louis Sant, Abria Smith, and James Hardy Martin III. I sat down with our old pal, Taiwana Flores, who we heard from during the Somos Latinx interview. Let's hear uh, Taiwana talk about the Black Scholars Initiative. So today we're here to talk about BSI. How long has BSI been going on for? Wow. So we are in our seventh year. Um, And just for context, um, BSI is the acronym. Berkeley loves acronyms. Absolutely. Um, But BSI stands for uh, the Black Scholars Initiative. Um, Again, we're in our seventh year, going really strong. Um, Our retention and graduation rates have been solid in comparison to um, the program's peak pre-existence since 2017 Um, and students are seeing their way through you know our COVID year was a little rough but so was the world so was everyone going through it in 2020 Um, but BSI has been really um, a foundational key piece to Berkeley um, over the last seven years. Yeah, and you've brought in some amazing alumni to come and, and speak with the speak with the students. I, I remember working with Ebony Williams, yeah. Courtney Harrell. Yeah. Um, Marshawn Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's been a lot. When alumni come back, specifically for BSI, we have shifted the narrative. Um, you know, alumni pre-2017, like to say that 
you know, we were bringing kids to campus before the start of the semester to say that, um, you know, we were building this essentially HBCU onboarding vibe mm, yeah. um, was foreign to Berkeley. So I'm so excited that, you know, every year we're able to, able to bring alumni back to speak to our entering class. So we're talking, you know, alumni who have industry experience and these green first year students who want to do it all. And then alumni essentially humble them a little bit, like take your time. Everything will come when it comes. You know, that kind of guidance is really important to set the tone before students start classes. It's also that moment. I remember like when I was a freshman in high school, they'd do the freshman orientation. Yeah. And then like you feel like the campus is yours and you feel that belonging. Yeah. To be able to do that seven years ago, but now to make it part of the institution, it just shows how successful it's been. Exactly. It's not just a one-off. Yeah, and that's it. And, and, you know, a lot of folks kind of focus on the pre-orientation program and... I want the narrative to continue around what we do throughout the school year as well. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, sure. we have a faculty staff mentoring program. We have a student leadership ambassador program. Uh, we do events. So we have a gala. We have community dinners. I mean, so it's really to keep the students engaged throughout the year um, and also tapping into alumni when we can um, during the year as well and partnering with other departments um, to, to actually see it through. I think I hear a call to to action for alumni here. I, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing to share, you know, with BSI, it launched with just college students. Um, and over time, we said, mm, no, we have to involve our, what they call themselves, Boco Coco community, which is our black students at the conservatory. Okay, yeah. So we um, folded in the conservatory student and we've been doing, they've been part of the program for several years now. Um so all of that is really about keeping what works and pivoting when we need to, um, but not forgetting the why, not forgetting the purpose of why this program exists. Do you see more growth um, in the future, especially during those school year programs, not just the orientation? Yeah, I'm like dreaming up a whole lot right now. Yeah. <laughs> I won't share too much, but I will say BSI has proven it works. Not that it needed to, because if you are black and brown at Berkeley, you know we work and we do what we need to do. But, um, you know, it's now been, again, a uh, foundational piece of Berkeley. And now it's what's next. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And it's important for me to really build intentional partnerships, um, not just at Berkeley College and Conservatory, but the Boston community as well. So I'll leave that there. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we'll have to we'll have to wait till the next school year. We'll have to uh, wait till season two to hear more. Right. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Taiwana. Thank you. We have a great show here today for everyone to listen to. So with me, we have three amazing and talented alums, and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Thurlin, a.k.a. T. Louis, Thurlin Lusant. I went to Berkeley. Um, I started in the fall of 2007. I actually walked in um, 2012. Um, I did music education at first, and then my last semester at Berkeley, I switched to pro music because I was like, nope, I don't want to do any of this. And I was like, I don't want to teach. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I was just a little blurred. Um and then I ended up teaching. 
<laughs> so regardless, I still ended up doing that. I, I um, did some of the five week um, um, courses here at Berkeley um, teaching. Um, I also did movement for musicians. So when I was a student, we didn't have the conservatory. So I was doing a lot of the movement classes on my own. And um, it kind of just branched out into a bigger thing. And then Berkeley had a whole bigger plan with what they wanted to do with choreography and movement added in. So um, it was cool to see that evolution happen while my time was here. But um, right now I'm just, um, I'm an entrepreneur. I work on creating platforms for artists. So I um, put on festivals, shows, um, events that center around black art, really. Um, and that could be visual art or performance art, all different um, different type of elements of art, um, just allowing um, safe spaces for us to be creative and for those who don't feel like they're in a uh, in a place where they could express their creativity that they could come into our the spaces we create and feel at home that's what that's i got amazing. going on that's a lot it's a beautiful yeah i just went on a spiel i didn't know what you really asked but <laughs> no, I went no, that was perfect that was a great opening <laughs> my name is uh james hardy martin the third people know me as james or some people know me as skylar james i am a uh Ex MP and E engineer. I mean MP and E major at Berkeley. I was here from uh, ninety seven to two thousand. I'm currently still in, still practice engineering, minor production, but not really more of an engineer. Live studio sound, whatever sound is needed. That's kind of what I do. Uh, been fortunate and blessed enough to build a uh, resume or arsenal of teammates, friends, some people I consider family, and worked at uh, every major award show you could think of or every major music event from Super Bowl to NBA All-Star half uh, halftime shows, Oscars, Grammys, you know, anniversary concerts, uh, whatever, whatever you call it. But I'm glad to be here. We're ready to share. Love to hear it. And last but not least. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Abria Smith, and I'm like, what is the question? <laughs> I, I'm going to be goofy. That's that's kind of who I am. I attended Berkeley. I started in 93. Uh, I did the, the five-week summer performance program and then was uh, fortunate enough to get a, a city music scholarship um, and then attended Berkeley. I studied um, music business management, and it's funny. I... I, I left Berkeley for a couple years when I was done and then came right back. I've been working at Berkeley since um, 2001 in um, community and government relations. And I'm, I'm currently the director for city and community engagement. And um, basically what our office does is handles like external relationships um, for the college. That includes like neighborhood relations and partnerships with um, the city. And um, we present music around Boston and parks in a partnership with um, the city of Boston Parks and Recreation Department and create opportunities for students to work in, uh, in the community as well. So that's a little bit of what we do. And that's kind of what I've been up to um, and trying to continue to keep some of my own art alive on the side, um, writing and like doing poetry and acting and whatever I can get into. Oh, wow. So it's clear that you guys are multi-talented in all different areas. So shout out to y'all. Congrats to y'all on all of that. But how does it feel to be back on campus? I know when we were walking up to our room, you guys were feeling like a little nostalgia about knowing where your old classrooms were. Anything different or... Well, I will say, um, and you probably can speak on it more because I came in uh, 2007, but um, I was just really um, 
praising the new, you know, organizations that are happening now at Berkeley that are um, really actively creating diversity in the space because, um, you know, there was only a handful of us that I could, you know, look around and be like, oh, you know, there goes a sis, or, you know, there goes somebody that, you know, m culturally will um, relate with me. Um, but it was only a, a slim picking. But now it's seeming like that that is growing tremendously. And I think we deserve that. We deserve to be in spaces like this, especially in creative spaces, especially learning contemporary art where a lot of the bases are, you know, rooted in our, you know, diaspora. So, yes, yeah. that's a great point. Makes me feel old. I mean, that's that. That's my first. That's my first reaction. I, no, I, I definitely mean, does make me feel old too. And, but it, it's, you don't look old though. I don't Thank look you. like it. <laughs> you know what they say. Uh, but at the same time, it's 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 kind of um, satisfying to see that the school isn't lacking behind in some aspects and something as simple as keeping things up to date where technology or even just from remodeling the buildings and finding more efficient ways to get students around and house students and and even just something as simple as a cafeteria, better, better set up a system there or the, um, what is it called? The cafeteria. I yes. forgot what we called it. Cap shows. Cap shows were like yeah, huge. we were in the basement. Yeah. The one for yes. the yes. basement. Hey, basement cap shows those, carpet. Those were hot though. Yes, they yeah, were. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. It, was cap show. it was like a more of a the club atmosphere. Exactly. Yes, it was like basement <laughs> parties. music and lights and oh, well, stuff. Well, speaking of club, we used to turn the, <laughs> we turned the cafeteria. That Into used to a be, night party. Yeah, that would be... For us, it was the BSU would have a link with either Boston College or Boston University's like fraternity or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd have our annual party during um, when you put the clocks back in October. What's it called? Fall back. So you get an extra hour to party at 2 a.m. So oh, the cafeteria wow. was like, like super lit. So it's like, wow. it's the. It wouldn't be as cool if it was where the cafe is now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because the basement house party is type yeah, vibe there, but yeah. it's yeah. also cool that, you know, the number one purpose of the cafe is for food and feeding and health. <laughs> and it looks and is moving a lot more efficient and better. So th yeah. things like that are great. But like I said, at the same time, it makes you really feel dated because that 150 entrance, I couldn't even like, mm. you can't even like describe yeah. how it used to look because it's so different, yeah. you know. What made you guys choose Berkeley? Like what about Berkeley kind of like draw, you know, you had your attention on here or like did it just come out of nowhere and it ended up working out? Well, my story is kind of, kind of funny. I was, um, I didn't find out about Berkeley until I was a senior in high school. I always wanted to, I played trumpet, so I always wanted to be like an electrical engineer, mechanical engineer. I spent the summer as a rising senior at MIT in another minority program called MITE. So like a few thousand people apply, 45 get in. The running joke when I was in the program was I was uh, the 45th acceptance and I was more like a experiment <laughs> to see. Oh why are you playing with you? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause so rude. That MIT, that program was kicking my ass, to be <laughs> honest. Look at you now, though. But the point was that it was, I always wanted to minor in music. And because that was beating me up so much, I, you know, it's right across the river. I ended up stumbling on Berkeley and seeing the pamphlet of music production and engineering. I saw engineering. I saw music. I was like, forget this. Yeah. I want to do Berkeley. And then the other deciding factor was we're in Boston. You know, it's a it's a great city. There's a lot of freshmen coming in every year. There's a public transportation. The you know the the mystique behind Berkeley and the the area we're in. So that that was that was how I ended up 
jumping in here, yeah. My story is not like that, but <laughs> I will say that we have somewhere, something similar. I used to play the trumpet, too. Oh, cool. um, I played the trumpet. I was always in music um, one way or, not, or another, like whether it was at church. Um, well, that's where I first rooted um, my acknowledgement to knowing any type of music was in church. Um, and um, growing up, I was... I was never studious. Like, I sucked at school. I, me and school were just never, we never got along. I was always the one that teachers were calling home to my parents. Something was going on. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I was a rebel without a cause. And I just, the only escape that I would have and that kind of kept me in line um, with my education was music. So um, I was in choir, um, show choir and stuff like that in high school. And um, I did my first tour in high school um, with the uh, concert choir we went to Prague Vienna and Salzburg for like the Mozart's 50th something they like picked like a handful of people from the choir it was nice um, but um, I remember talking to um, another choir director in the school and um, he was more he was more the you know he was doing like gospel music at the school um, and um I was telling him how I don't necessarily relate to some of the choral music that I was doing, but, you know, I, I told him of all the music that I listened to on the side, and he was like, you should think about Berkeley. And mm. I, it was my senior year of college, too, because I was, you wow. know, I was either not going to go to school at all or just, you know, figure out, like, something in a community college back home. And he was like, you should look at Berkeley. And I was like, mm, no. And then a friend of mine, Jasmine, was coming. Um, she was in her first year at Berkeley, and she came back to the high school just to talk to some of the students oh, and wow. she she was um she pulled me aside and she's like mr mckenzie told me you're interested in berkeley and she literally sat me down and talked to me about it um and i was like wow this seems like somewhere i could feel comfortable and 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 i could you know gain something from so it was the only school i applied to and the only school that i got accepted to because it was the only school wow. i applied to <laughs> And I, I don't know how this process is now, but you know, like you apply and then you go through like um, an audition process. And I was just like, I, it felt like an American Idol thing for me, really. Um, and so when I got accepted, I was like, wow, I guess I'm actually going to college. And I, I'm one of eight kids with my um, family. And so I was the only one that left home to go to college. How was that? Was that kind of hard? Um, yeah, yeah, I remember coming here for orientation and all of my siblings came, my my mom, my dad, and my grandma. And we were Aww. in the Berkeley Cafe in the basement and just crying. <laughs> just everybody's so, like, not sad, but just, like, proud. And also, like, you, you're leaving your baby for the first time, you right. know. It was my first time away from home and doing mm -hmm. everything on my own. So it was just a lot of emotions. But I, you know, I stayed, you know. I, I'm still in Boston. And wow. I, I kept my relations um, with some of the professors, some of the um, administrators here. And it's, I, I regret nothing. <laughs> I don't know. My story was weird. I don't know if I knew anything about Berkeley before I went. I don't remember knowing about Berkeley. Um, I never really like studied music or anything like that before um, before I attended. But I did uh, probably starting around the age of 14 or so um, start kind of like performing with like little groups and talent shows. I remember the first group we had was really bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and, and it, 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 there were some hilarious moments. We had fun and, and I would like write rhymes for the group and stuff. And then we would, it, it was just fun. 
I hope and, you have videos of that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I could dig some funny things up. But fortunately, we got a little we got a little better over the years. But um, um, that's kind of how I started, like kind of with music. And I think that um, there was always a love for music in my household. Like no matter what we did, my parents had some type of music playing. So that's why I always like there was a theme song to everything, to everything I did. There was always a song in my head. But um, then after I start, I started per- performing and um, I, I'll also say that. I, so I went to private school for like six years. And I, at the end of that, I was like, oh, God, I'm so done with school. I was, you know, so I was sort of I was going to like I was taking a year off. But my mother actually worked. You, you um, talked about like community college. My mother worked at a community college. So I was able to get gen eds for free there oh, while she was, you know, while amazing. she was working there. So yeah. I. <laughs> transferred some credits in when I finally did come some to Berkeley. Some things I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, but it still took me forever. It still took me forever because studying music for me was like learning a different language because I had Have never had been known. exposed mm-hmm. to, to all that stuff. I was like, what? Huh? Harmony? Movable Ear what? Training? <laughs> You're doing what with dough and why? <laughs> and, um, but the way, going back a little bit, I think the way that I found out um, before I attended the five week, I think there was a, a family friend who had attended Berkeley and Maybe in that a little before that summer before I, I started, um, I think that's how I found out about it and applied for the for the um, five week. I do not remember applying to Berkeley. Um, I know I must have had a lot of help because it's all a blur. But I do remember that back then, back in the day, they used to instead of having you come in to do like interviews and auditions, they let you do a cassette. They let you submit a cassette as as a um, as an audition piece. I have no idea. Like, I don't remember what I recorded or why they even wanted to listen to it. But yeah, I, I will definitely say that that um, being a I think being a good student is probably what really helped me to get it to get into Berkeley and having really just like solid teachers, like from the five week kind of um, just rooting for me and, 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 you know, showing support that way and saying, you know, yeah, let I, I definitely feel like that, you know, that's what it was. So, I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for all of the experiences I had. And I'm grateful that that Berkeley somehow became a part of my life. And I, de- I can definitely say I pretty much grew up at Berkeley, you know, because I've been I've been working at Berkeley since 01. And I wasn't away from Berkeley for too many years before I came back and started working. So, yeah. Berkeley's Berkeley's like home. (laughs) I completely understand what you're talking about. So I wanted to know, like, how was community cultivated for all of y'all? Like, once you were on campus, like, how did you find, like, that cohort or those people that were going to kind of, like, push you along? It could be just because I come from a a, a large family. I'm always around a lot of people. Um, So I would, after, after, um, classes were over like when I think it was like six o'clock was like the last class um, at Berkeley um, I would rent out one of the classrooms um, I don't know if students are still allowed to do that but I would rent out one of the classrooms and um, remove all of the desks and just host my own um, free dance classes and so some of the students yeah some of the students would just come and I would just keep the door open I would blast it out to my friends on Facebook like hey come and join me um, and it just started becoming this thing every Wednesday night I remember Wednesday nights I would clear it out and just me and my good girlfriend would just create choreography and teach it to some of the students and for no reason no cause just to have something um, 
active to do um, after a full day of class. Um, and so after while doing that, that's how I started creating a community for myself at Berkeley. Um, and I started to see how much of a, uh, how much of a need it was in the school. Um, and some of the professors started seeing that too. They had this program called the Live Well program when I was still at um, Berkeley. And um, one of the uh, administrators for the Live Well program at, um, contacted me as a student and was like, yeah, would you like to actually officially do this as like a program to get paid for, you know? So as I was a student, yeah, they, we, they would block out all of um, 921, the upstairs um the loft and they gave me that space and I would uh, empty it out and literally bring people and it wasn't just for Berkeley students at this point it became a community um, thing so it was just a free Wednesday wow. night choreography class I started that bringing so people cool. in from all over right. yeah they were paying me which was weird and I was a student um, so that's kind of how I started my little career with Berkeley too because after I walked well when I was still a student um, I was working with the Yo team at, the Yo team is non-existent at any more at Berkeley, but I was with Rob Rose, Donna McElroy, um, Ken Zambello, just like a bunch of those um, older heads who kind of helped like as a mentorship for me. Um, but they, um, while they saw me doing that as a student, they um, one of the showcases that I was just doing choreography for like the background singers and stuff, they presented me with a scholarship for doing those type of movement stuff. And they said it was the first one they ever gave at the school. So I always say that. I never fact checked it, but you know, they said. Yeah. So, you know, I always said, like, you know, I'm the first person to get a scholarship at Berkeley for choreography. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, once I started doing that, I think it kind of just created an, uh, a name for me and also created a, a, a community of people that saw, like, you know, I, I like to create space. It's not about anything. Like, I didn't need it. I, di I wasn't creating it for, like... Uh, Instagram videos or like YouTube or whatever. I was just literally like, whoever wants to come and join me in this moment, come on, it's free, it's open. We're just here to get free and then go back home and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, creating so, opportunities. That's, mm -hmm. that's really cool. When I came to Berkeley, I, BSU was really big. Uh, you know, and the person running it, uh, Tanisha Hall, she was uh, very, um, yeah, she was very involved. And Sidebar to that, she actually runs a a, a nonprofit academy and back in L.A. now, so it makes sense that at the time she was the president of the BSU. So she was very, you know, uh, warm and welcoming for all freshmen and everyone coming into the school. So between between the BSU and then um, just just some of the black teachers, it, it it made it it made it cool. Like obviously Carl was huge. Um, then Walter Beasley was also here at the time. Um, then I met Karen throughout the years, but in that freshman and sophomore year, it was like those three things: meeting Carl because he was also an MP&E teacher, of course. Um, Walter was just a—I uh, forgot—I didn't have him for nothing, but him being black and me being another black man, and you know, it just—he was warm and welcoming, like and yeah, yeah. And then you know, I probably got into some riffraffs now and again. And, you know, they try <laughs> to keep you alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so. Now you got so many other things with the BSI and getting to come a whole week early and um, all of that. Yeah. You know, I think that that's good because again, times are changing, so it's not. It may the transition may not be as easy to come to move. You know, out, away from home or wherever you are. So yeah, I I think I think for me, um, sometimes community was hard because well, so I lived in Boston. I wasn't living in the dorms, and so I always had a way to escape. And I always liked it. There, there was always a part of me that, that was like, 
off to the side and it's like well i had i had friends and people i really liked and respected and friends that i have to the you know to this day there's always a part of me that's a little bit of a um yeah a loner and i'm very like introverted so i i really needed um a lot of alone time to 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 recharge after any like social interaction mm-hmm. so um yeah, be, being being a day student made it very very easy for me to to run away and hide at the end of things, but I and um, be in my own little world. And I think um, de- I think I, I I did deal with like depression a lot. And I think um, in a way, some of that can be very isolating, and it and it's hard when people don't necessarily know like kind of what's going on. It's a little it's a little harder to. Um, to like be consistent. And I, I feel like maybe Berkeley has a lot more like resources um, to help students not fall through the cracks. But I, I definitely will say there were there were, you know, reasons why I struggled, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot in a lot of ways here. But I definitely met so many people who were just like talented and and caring and just inspiring. There, there I mean, there are so many things that I gained from being at Berkeley. Um, but I guess like just like anywhere else, like for me, depending on, you know, depending on the person you are, you you may struggle because it's it's harder. Um, it's harder for you to kind of stay like in communities because I have I, I've always had this thing where, like, no, I won't I won't conform to to like the ways of this. I'm not going to speak how a group. Spe-. It was always weird. It was like it's like a push and pull thing. It's like, oh, I like this person. I like, you know, I like how it feels when things are good in this group. But I no, I don't want to do the same things as other people. <laughs> like, was it like you felt like you wasn't able to relate to them? It's, and it's not it's not like it's not even like I, I, I felt like I couldn't relate to anyone. It's like I think I think. I think I can basically move around into any group and get along with anyone. So so I it's like there's always something, some point of a connection that I could find with people. But I think after a certain point, I'm done peopling like like really. And I have to recharge. So I think that's the thing that that, that made it hard for me. Sometimes they always I always had to have a time where I was disconnected. And sometimes when you disconnect, it's harder for people to know kind of like what's going on, you know. So that's what I'll say. But I but I definitely would say that over the years, there were, were people who um, like got to got to know me on some level and, and really, really um, were just like just supportive. And, and yeah, they, they were there were a lot of people who helped me in a lot of different ways and a lot. And I'll say a lot of teachers who were who were very patient. <laughs> a lot of teachers who were patient with me because sometimes I was just like, I don't get it. I don't want to get it. You know, mm-hmm. today's but, not the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. not not today. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was definitely interesting. But I but I will say that like you know, like I said, I'll repeat that I do think there are more resources for students. There there probably were some resources that I, that um, I would have benefited from back then that I think are here now, and I'm really glad. Like even for things like um, BSI, I think that's, absolutely it's amazing. Yes. Do you all feel that with BSI, that would have been like a great addition when you guys were on campus? A a thousand percent. Mm -hmm. Yes. It wasn't a huge culture shock as far as race goes. Um, Well, when when I was... um, when I was growing up, I grew up in um, Huntington, Long Island, which was predominantly white. Um, so I was I dealt with a, a lot of um, 
I, I dealt with that. And then when I moved to CI, um, it was um, predominantly Hispanic and black. And so I, I've dealt with all of those pools. Um, but when I came to Berkeley, the culture shock that it was for me was the talent. Mm, um, oh, yeah. I was not <laughs> immersed in that much talent mm. coming from high school, coming from being like, you know, you're the special ones <laughs> in this little pocket of yeah. the neighborhood. You know, I came in and it was just a pool of we're all the oh, special so ones. <laughs> and, and it was just an influx of talent and influx of talent that some I've seen and some I've never seen before or heard before and and things that were super inspirational but also like intimidating um so that was that was my type of culture shock that I dealt with at Berkeley because you know I, I I was singing and I was singing more on the choral side I wasn't singing as a black woman I was auto- automatically like she's in she's in um gospel and it's like no she does R&B and I'm like mm, nope I'm singing Mozart <laughs> you know like right. I wasn't necessarily and I dance. <laughs> you know I wasn't necessarily you know I was singing choir songs but not that type of choral music you know so it that was the culture shock for me and that's when I started to feel a little out of place um, because I wasn't finding that community but there's a ton of us in in the black community that you know it's not just like stereotypical gospel big voice black girl you know it's like you you like all facets of music and all different types of you have that eclectic taste you know Um, so that was that was my cultural shock experience at Berkeley that was really good that was a really good because we culture you know when we said it it yeah um, you automatically think of race but I'm like that that was was a different culture shock that happened for me (laughs) huge because everybody that goes here is like the best of where they are from where they come from when you come in here and you be like oh I'm trash yeah (laughs) You might second guess yourself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, then, and then you make that decision, like, fight or flight, or do I want to change mm-hmm. career paths, or what do I want? You know, like she said, you play trumpet, I play trumpet, so we were exactly. in the same. I got up here, and I was like, yo, he's, he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, how many semesters do I need before I can put this horn down? It's a four, okay, <laughs> knock it out. I think it, I think it was like that. It, you know, it was definitely like that for me, too, because, well, for one, I was an extremely shy person yeah. in general, and um, it's it, it's it's different. You see you see a lot of like um, really like outspoken, really like powerful vocalists who are around, and I'm like, oh, I don't do that, right? <laughs> I can't run for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, run, run. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. And and um, the people saying like they you know grew up singing in church. I didn't grow up singing in church, you know. And and I think it was it was different because my you know while there were a lot of similarities to like my my black experience there were a lot of things that that I I didn't do that a lot of my peers did and I would say coming in like I I don't I wouldn't say there was like any sort of like cultural shock as far as like um race or anything like that because I like starting from like fourth grade is when I like start you know do the whole busing thing like you were talking about I I was in um, Mecco schools yeah exactly and I I was like Dover Sherborne so it was like you know predominantly white schools and you really gotta sign up for Mecco like six days after breath I was gonna say when you're born when you're born literally your mom gotta 
it's the pregnancy test. You're like, here, if it's a girl, I'm going to name them. The waiting list is about six years. Yeah, the wait the waiting list is to get you in school. Yeah. So I I did that and then ended up going you know going to private school after that because the MECO coordinator for our area had a program that prepared students for independent schools, and he helped us all to you know to be placed at um private schools. But um yeah, so when I came here, that like that wasn't anything. If anything, I was like. Oh, there are a few black people here. Right, like, exactly. you know, I'm like black friends, <laughs> you know. And um, yeah. and I also like for me, like I said, I lived in Boston. I lived in I guess what you would call black Boston. Like I grew up, you know, grew up in like Roxbury and Dorchester. So it was like I got to see, you know, I got to see black people when right. I went home. That was the black that, people, that, right? yeah. yeah. And but but still, when I got here, there you know there were some folks, you know they. And I, to, to this day, some of them still work here. And they're like, yeah, you were weird. I'm like, I still am. <laughs> oh, no, but there's, there's, okay. like, in a nice way, I'm like, I, I am because I think a lot of it is, you know, a lot of us have our little weird, our little weird things about us. But I think Ask, people, yeah. yeah, but a lot of people think that they have to hide that. And I think I, I, I never really had the ability to do that. Mm. You know, I'm like, I could pretend, but not really, because it's always going to come out. I'm like, I'm a weirdo. Hello. That's a great point. So like, how do you amplify your own self in these big rooms, right? Like rather they're big rooms or just even like white spaces, how do you amplify yourself? But then also like you as a black individual, obviously there's no way that we can hide our blackness. Right. So it's just like, how do how do we stand in these rooms and be proud of it? Like, yeah, this is take all of me or none of me, right? Like, that takes I think time. That's, yeah, Oof. I think th- that definitely a time thing, but also um, knowing that you shouldn't have to do that, right? So if you're if you're going into a room and anticipating them to label you a certain way or think of you a certain way, I think that's when you start to dim your light and try to make yourself look like something that they want you to look like. I think if you're true and authentic to yourself and you can't shy away from who you are if you're if you are a true black person um and your and whatever your focus is and whatever you want to you know emit um i think if i think that's what it is is that you say true to who you are i know it's pretty vague but I, i'm not somebody that l- likes to conform when i come into a room i don't want to um what's that what's they call it what do, yes i don't want to code switch yeah. if i go into a room i would i would also say i think it i think it depends on um what your upbringing is like. Um, I think it depends on who your parents are, how they perceive blackness and how they, you know, how they teach you to be proud. Like my mother was always super militant, like super, I'm like, okay. And go me the 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 thing that was was hard for me is like during my you know the like middle school years when you're kind of like learning who you are and how you are. And on one side you have this, you know, it's like you're, you know, take, you know, your blackness, you wear, wear this, sh- wear this shirt to school that says, um, black by popular demand, right. black to the future. And then you're in this school and it's like, you, you know, people don't, you know, they don't have the same experiences as you. They don't, you know, they don't exactly look like you. And you're still trying to figure out who you are. So there's a, there's like a struggle. It's like, do I want to fit in? It's like, yeah, I know I'm black. Yes, yeah, but black and I'm proud. Right. And then it's just, it's hard. And it's like when you're, when you're in that, um, phase of your life when you're tr- you're just trying to figure it out and and you're and you're trying to figure out how to you know make friends and stuff that that was a that was a really tricky time that was a really tricky time but I I will tell you this my my mother was never gonna be the type to 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 let me 
not go into a space and be like, yeah, I'm black. Like, right. you, like you know, <laughs> like, like what, proud. but not, it, but, but she was, you know, she was like black on a t-shirt. Like, like Expressive. That, was my, that yeah. was my, that was my mom. And, <laughs> and I appreciated that. Although, you know, it was very, it was very hard. Cause it's like, you, you know, you're, when you're a kid, it's like, in some ways you do want to fit in on some level. And then it's like, you, you know, you're kind of, you're still kind of reminded that you're different. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, so it was weird and it was a, it was a, it was a process, but I do think that you do come out stronger in, in the end of it, at, at the end of it. And it's not like, okay, so this is black. This is something that I put on and say, I am this. No, it's just your being. It's just being who you are. And it's not a performance. It's not, you know, it's not sort of like an educational session for anybody. It's just, that's who you are. That's, that's how you were brought up and you're going to be black in any environment, you know? So I saw this quote on this uh, church billboard. It said, um, to some people, you're the only Bible that they read. And you take, 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 yeah, it is. So you take, take Bible out. And if you put like black person, like to some people, you're the only black person people may have seen or interacted with. So taking that and because my whole life I've been around multi-races and multi-cultures, I'm always just like putting my best foot forward. I'm trying, not trying to impress people, just being who I am. I don't really necessarily look at it as a, a race and all of that. It's just like, if I'm hired to be an engineer, I'm about to impress you as the best engineer ever. And the results of my actions may lead to an impression of uh, amplified black person or, or in the nineties when I started growing my dreads, it was like dreads wasn't that popular or that big. So then it was killing the stereotype of, Oh, a person with dreads is just a drug dealer or, or ex con or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so in answering your question, I don't, that's never really been embedded in my mind as, Hey, represent black culture. I'm really representing myself and my parents. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of like how I've always moved forward. And, and as a, again, as I was telling the, the kids earlier, it's like in the real world, people that are out here to do a job or make their career or whatever the job is, they don't look at anybody as that race. They look at you as like, you're the A1 or you're the A2 or you're the tech, the assistant, you're the reception. That's how they're looking at you. And as long as you're doing your job, the A people born in the 80s and 90s, they grew up in a different time and culture where it was a more melting pot, where it was less, a little less racism and, you know, are frowned upon. So... I think now in our day and age is just just be yourself and don't some people like to do like you like you said I have a coworker who does that every outfit he wears is something black pride or me and my you know what I mean and, and I still do stuff like that too like I'll still you know support the the black owned business that's showing that has a black shirt that has black power yeah, or whatever you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna rock it but I just don't it's not an act you know it's not something that I'm doing I'm not putting it on yeah. you know it's 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 just a natural reaction for me to want to support my people and also like part of my job is creating platforms for us you know I, I want us to continue to you know have platforms and have spaces where we could you know be truly ourselves um so yeah like just like you said like i i, I could i could rock it if i want to but it's not necessarily because i have to put a put you're a just being but you're just being you yeah. and, and, and as you that's part of what you would do exactly. you know yeah if it's yeah. you it's you but i don't think like any any in, in any job situation you don't have to say yo hey i'm i'm a new yorker you yeah. know or hey i'm black or hey you know uh, you know uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know i'm from boston you know all that other all that you don't just Actually, just yeah put your yeah. put your work forward yeah. and the other stuff will shine naturally yeah mm. That's a really good and tip. Yeah, and you represent, and then then they'll represent right. what they see on the outside now that they've learned more about the inside or your skill set. You know, it's like true. 
And I think people just like relate to others when they're just their authentic self, right? Because then it's like, why are you putting on a show? Like, who are you really? You know, like, how can I get close to somebody who's not their authentic self, right? So I think that's some really good points. I also wanted to ask, like, how did Berkeley set you up for your current successes? I would say this is how I felt back to the uh, thing that I said was a really good point, the competition type thing. I I felt in high school I was a a student that played the trumpet that was great. You know, like I'm the best student. But as soon as I got to Berkeley, I felt like I was the worst professional. Uh, if if that makes sense yeah. because once you get to Berkeley now now you're spending money on your career it's no longer a hobby it's a, it's a job yeah mm. investing so if I can't play the, at that time Roy Hargrove was really great Nicholas Payton were great trumpet players so if I'm not willing to put in the work to be as good as them I need to figure out what I'm going to do because not only am I doing a disservice to myself but I can literally mess up my career and, and the mystique and the energy at Berkeley because I'm very competitive yeah. I don't care what we're doing so yeah. I, I, I kind of like that but I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I just. But of course, everybody's different. So what motivates me may not motivate you. The next person. But for me, having some of that energy here, it it helped me thrive in in the real world. And then trying to get an MPE too. That was a at the time. I don't know if it still is. You had to apply. You know, you weren't in the first year, so it was like. I'm a studious person. I'm going to get these A's, get these B's. I'm going to let you know, like, I'm serious. I want to be in this room, you know, because I'm competing with a and couple, of, to be in couple other people. Yeah. So I, I didn't come in. to Berkeley to do, like, you know, music synthesis. No shade to that. I want this, <laughs> you know, so. No, no, no. No, no. I mean, I could say any of the majors. That was just first one that came to my mind. <laughs> Because we just came from that room. That's it. <laughs> See, y'all need to start <laughs> What I would say that, Ber- that Berkeley did to kind of help to, to um, broaden my horizons and to, and to allow me to experience things that I would not have otherwise experienced with, it connected me to people from all over the world. And, and from that, I had opportunities to like perform in other countries. Like I had, I had opportunities to, to write even like, you know, um, with faculty members who had things like some, like some of my like poetry, spoken word stuff to, you know, on there, I had like opportunities to work with people I never would have imagined, you know, that I could work with. And, um, it definitely helped to build confidence because that intimidation thing is real. I was like, oh my God, why am I here? Yeah. You know, so so it definitely was like that. But I that's one thing that I'm I'm so grateful for the people that I've met and kind of the just the way that they've they've added to my understanding of of music and the world and people. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest thing. It it brings people at Berkeley attracts people from everywhere with so many different l- talents, even even things other than the talents they came here for. Like there are so many layers to people and, and yeah, it's just amazing when you connect, you connect and like magic happens. Yeah, I I was going to say that, too. I was going to say, for one, networking um, was not something that I was doing or even thought of um, before I came to Berkeley. And and then you really hear the talk of it's it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, and and that really played a huge role in my career now, because um, I, I not only um 
performed with, but I, I worked with my professors because I stayed connected um, and I networked with them, but also built, built relationships. But it first started off as networking, as building those networks of people and community that would help support me or help um, help be a guide or a mentorship for, for my career. Um, and on top of that was, um, like I said earlier with the Yo team, um, producing events at Berkeley helped me produce my stuff now. Like I would say most of my producing experience came from um, here. Everything came like full circle. Right? Exactly. Like, trust the process. Mm -hmm. So you guys have came up with some like really good tips like um, networking and being our true selves. Do you have any other tips to give these students who are coming to campus for this upcoming year and for the rest of their career here at Berkeley? Like any other tips? Hard work, really. Hard work. Hard work and being prepared. Being prepared. That's what I was telling them earlier. Because you can network and get an opportunity, but if you're not prepared, it's a wrap. You know, mm -hmm. it, you don't waste somebody's time. So during the grind of being a freshman, sophomore, whatever, or even if you end up leaving early for an opportunity, that opportunity came and you're ready for that opportunity because you were preparing for it, you know? Yeah. So have goals, um, work on a plan towards those goals, but your whole time here prepared. That's what you're here for. Not to start a family, not to sightsee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. not no. to find a life spouse. You you gotta avoid all of that while you're here because you you you're spending money, you know, to yeah. um to for the Berkeley name, for the mystique, you know, for the competition, for the culture, for all of that. But at the end of the day when you leave here, you wanna you wanna build a career. You like set yourself up for yeah, success yeah, basically. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you gotta you gotta be prepared for that. The only way to be prepared is grind. Grind. And I would say, like, definitely that you definitely have to work for anything that you want. But I would say on the other side of that, you need to be able to play and to care for yourself just as hard as you're working. Yeah. Because if you don't, you will burn out yeah. and you won't be any good to anyone. How can they take care of themselves? What should they do? Like, just I think take a that step when back? people's bodies and minds are telling them that it's time to rest, Mm -hmm. You rest and then you come back and you do all that you can. It, it's not going to benefit you to keep pushing through when you're like at that point where you're going to fall off a cliff. Like if then it's too late because it, the time that it will take you to recover from from being pushed that far, it, you know, it's like you waste more time than you would just stepping back and be like, you know what? I just need to rest. I need to disconnect from from this, this, this and that. And then I can come back and be better. It may be tomorrow, maybe yeah, the next day, two but you, you got to listen to yourself and take care of yourself and stop trying to do what everyone else is doing because it's like we're all individuals and know yourself is a huge thing. You got to know yourself. You got to know your limits. You have to know what you need and listen to yourself. Right. Your own Absolutely. competition. Mm -hmm. Just be competitive with yourself. That's that's right. Yeah. Always make your best better and yeah, stop yeah, trying yeah. to reach with somebody else. Your path like, isn't going to be the same as someone else's. It, ta true. it takes some of the same work, dedication, mental health, relaxing, sleeping, hard work, connection, networking. But at the rate you go may not be the same as someone else. And, mm -hmm. and if you spend too much time watching yeah. and focusing on somebody else, you like you said, you'll burn yourself out really right. fast. Yeah, really. Always make your best better. I like that. I like that, too. That was nice. I'm, I'm going to write that, that one down. <laughs> I would say I, I love all of those points. I would have definitely went with those two. Um, in addition, I would tell um, and I always try to tell any student that I meet, um, use up these resources. You are here 
And you're not just here to go to class. There's so many other things that are involved with your college experience. And there are so many things that we don't know that are offered to us. Um, go to wherever the administrative offices are. See what the free things that the school is offering. See what the, you know, go speak to your teachers and see what their office hours are. Sit down and pick their brains because those are the people that you're going to be working with tomorrow. You know, who knows? Like, I really think that using using up this experience in its whole in its whole entirety as opposed to just going to school is is, is important when you're um, here just grasp it you have the you have all of these class like a equipment here in the studios and you know like use everything that you can now because you have it it's it's in your package it's in your tuition just you know don't don't let that dollar just Great go point. straight to your bed and to the books there's yeah. so many other things right absolutely mm-hmm. take advantage office hours yeah I was telling the kids that earlier I used to be on my teacher's heads every week in the there for <laughs> most hours. of the time to gossip but <laughs> no <of> the time. <laughs> keeping it real mm-hmm. Asking questions because, like you yeah. said, they, they were some of them were doing stuff outside of the school or, or had exactly. done stuff outside of school. So I was on their heads or any of the clinics they had, like uh, Prince Charles is here now teaching. But yes. when I first met him, he came up here just to do a mixed clinic, and really? I followed his ass down to uh, back to New York. <laughs> He went back to New York to mix, and me and my friend skipped class one day, took the, the train or oh, bus down wow. to New York. What an you know adventure. What I mean? but the point was just, like you said, using the resources. <laughs> I met him from a Brook Ber- yeah. <laughs> from Berkeley. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, oh, yeah, wow. we, paid, we paid for the tuition. We paid for that clinic in Absolutely. Berkeley. Yeah. So, yo, we paid for that plane nah. ticket. We go to dinner. What do you drink? Okay, exactly. cool. Let's go. We need to All learn some that. more. All of that. It's just like, you know, you go to a music festival and you see like there's different booths of things and sometimes you're like dang I didn't get a chance to go to that booth shucks it's over with and it's like you're here for four years go and run up these pockets because you paid so much you paid so much use your use it get all the resources that you deserve well thank you so much that is all that we have for y'all to answer today thank you for taking some time and kind of giving back to the community so they can know what's going on and how to be great in their own careers so we appreciate y'all thank you this was (laughs) fun and it was really fun yes i feel connected with you guys hey everybody it's luis and denny Thanks to donors like you, Berkeley is able to support student success year-round. And thanks to your support, programs like the Black Scholars Initiative are able to bring in alumni, like the ones you're listening to now. So if you're interested in supporting initiatives like this, go to berkeley.edu slash giving. See you guys later. All right, everyone, that was our episode with the BSI alums with Abria, Thurland, and James. What do you think about it? My key takeaway was I think they really appreciated seeing the differences that came along um, for students now. Uh, you know, I think we look back and and look at maybe the way mental health was looked at, um, the way, you know, different services were looked at. And I think there's been a lot of evolution at Berkeley, but also in society in terms of valuing these things more and understanding that there's a holistic approach to education. I saw a lot of appreciation in the services and opportunities that are available for students now. And I think it just uh, is a, a really great point to look and see the growth of the institution. 
Yeah, absolutely. One part that really stuck out to me is when they were talking about the importance of just being authentic to oneself and just trusting and believing in yourself and your craft, no matter who you're around and their own um, capabilities. You know, it's okay and it's natural, but you can also do great things as well. Right. So I think that they dropped a lot of gems. I always say that gems are dropped in these episodes, but I really do feel that way. I feel like we can all learn and grow from each other's experiences and kind of see how we all relate to one another. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the spirit of this podcast is being able to talk to people and hear how they figured out their career paths and in their life. And I think Abria uh, really said it best about really taking the time to to rest and to get and to listen to your body. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of instances where singers, uh, were really pushing themselves until their, their voices gave out and then they had to stop and rest and not talk and not sing. And that really is, is painful. I'm, I'm the type of person that goes hundred miles an hour all the time, but I guess now as I get older, uh, I got to listen to my body more. And sometimes True. my body's like, yo, chill. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to listen to that. Um, so I think the more we hear that and the more that we give ourselves permission to do that as yes. artists, as, you know, as driven career oriented people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really important. And, um, again, that's a growth too, you know, before in, in the past, it would be, you just got to grind and grind and grind and grind and grind. Right. Now it's like, yeah, you got to grind, but you also got to give yourself a little break so that you yes. can grind even harder next. So, yes. Yeah, so make sure you take care of yourself, whatever that may be. Go give yourself a spa day. Get your nails done. <laughs> yes. Get a massage. You know, you deserve it. We all work hard. So this is your call for self-care, everyone. Right. If you was looking for a sign, this is it. <laughs> All right. And to play us out today, we have a song from our Spotify playlist, Alumni Mixtape 23, playlist by Berkeley Alumni Affairs. We have Camouflage Pain by Kelvin Frazier. Have you ever fell in love, but they don't want you back? Have you been in a room with someone who don't want you there? I'm in need of a job and the bills are piling up. This emotional roller coaster only has room for me. Survival is what I 